How does a boutique rock candy business from Sydney go from nearly closing their doors during a pandemic to becoming one of the most recognised candy makers in the world, with millions of social media followers and a booming business? Well, that's exactly what I wanted to find out. This is episode 284 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, and I'm talking to David and Annabelle King from Sticky Lollies. Let's go. G'day, my friends, and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. We're back into the swing of regular weekly episodes here on the podcast. So if you're new here and it's your first time listening or watching, then be sure to follow the podcast or subscribe on YouTube so that you don't miss another episode. So I first stumbled across my guests today on Instagram as my daughter was asking me heaps of questions about how they make those rock candy things with little shapes inside. And as a dad, you know how it goes. I'm like, I've got this, let me explain. But of course, as a daughter of the YouTube generation, she didn't want my explanation. She just wanted to watch a video to see how it's done. So I came across these guys on Instagram first, I think, and then I found them on YouTube and all the other platforms. And once I'd satisfied my daughter's curiosity about how this stuff is made, I began to take a deeper dive into what these guys were doing with their video strategy. And let me tell you, they were crushing it. Millions of followers on pretty much every social channel, regular live streams showing candy making behind the scenes, massive adoption of short form video formats like Reels and TikTok. And the business was making waves in the news as well, here in Australia and globally. So as a video strategist, discovering businesses like Sticky Australia and the impact that their video strategy has on their business, it really fires me up. So I invited the founder of Sticky Lollies, David King, and one of the key drivers of their video marketing, his daughter, Annabelle King, onto the show today to learn more. So that's enough from me. Let's dive into the Sticky story with David and Annabelle. David and Annabelle, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys today? Good, Ben. Good. Thanks for having us on. I appreciate the offer. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to share your story with our, our listeners and viewers here today because I did a bit of an introduction to you guys, you know, before we rolled the interview here, but we were just chatting before we hit record about some of the story about how I came across you guys. Um, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself, about your journey, um, you know, both in business, but then moving into the embracing of video and, and social media that you guys have done today. And we'll start with you, David, if you want to kick us off and then let Annabelle take over where she wants. Yeah, well, maybe in terms of business background, we've um, we've had a, a business in Sydney for over 20 years now, I think coming up to 22 in December this year. Um, it's, there've been some fabulous highs and some fabulous lows. We did have three locations in Sydney, went back to one. We uh, developed relationships with some people overseas. So we have developed um, franchises, although they're franchise name only really it's more like a, a kind of relationship that we have with people in 11 different countries um, uh, a lot of which are still going they're not all still going but uh, business has been you know I think as it is for everyone a bit of a roller coaster uh, there's been some fabulous bits and some low bits um, and probably none lower than March of 2020 when uh, COVID came along and the pandemic hit mm. Sydney we're, we're located in the rocks so of all the parts of Sydney that were hit by COVID, I think the rocks was probably, you know, it's a tourist precinct. So 
everyone disappeared. We were we were literally walking around in a kind of post-apocalyptic zombie movie or what felt yeah. like it for a little while there. And the other part of our business has always been weddings and corporate promotional stuff and everyone cancelled their wedding and everyone cancelled their corporate event. Um, mm-hmm. So business kind of went to zero pretty much instantaneously over the period of about a week in March of 2020. Um, what we do is inherently a little theatrical or not a little, but like it is theatrical. We People will stand and watch us do what we do because the process is kind of mesmerising. Um, and we were standing there about to pull the doors down and thinking how we how are we going to survive this, like I think a lot of businesses in Sydney. And uh, we thought maybe we can just leverage part of what we do into some kind of online offer. Um, and it's interesting because the technology to really do that probably wasn't there two or three years before, but now all of a sudden, you know, with a decent handset and a 4G network and and the kind of social media platforms that are out there, you can pretty much be instantaneously broadcasting to every country on earth with extraordinarily low barriers to entry. You know, there's nothing, and and that's all we did. We took an iPhone and sat it up against the glass and went live on, initially on Instagram uh, and then on Facebook, uh, and just found this kind of instantaneous response. Um, people, people really uh, getting not just kind of enjoying the process, but getting a lot out of the fact that there was this stupid little lolly shop in Sydney in the middle of a pandemic where nothing was wrong. We were dressing up as and stupid outfits and putting ourselves out there. But you know, really, really quickly, it went from twenty people watching to sixty to one hundred and fifty, and and when it went crazy, probably a month after that. We were having 20,000 people from all over the world watching us do a, a live stream dressed as, as hobbits from Mordor or something like that. <laughs> but but at, at its core, it's the process. You know, there's a, what we do yeah. is sculptural. There is, it, it has a beginning. It has a process. It has a construction. It has a reveal at the end. It is kind of a mesmerizing process. So combining that, the process with the personality of some of the guys in the shops, you know, trying to, it just took off. It went a little bit crazy. It took us entirely by surprise. It was a delightful surprise in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So tell me, where did that idea originally come from? Had you done live streaming before or you just no. thought there's no one here physically, this is a way to get it out in front of people? Like who, who, who pushed that idea forward? This is a dangerous and- question. The original, the original idea, I think, I'm going to have to ask you, Annabelle, as well, but David, go for it. Well, Lily and I, Lily, who's been with us for about 16 years now, and she's our store manager um, and a a really core part of the business. We were standing in the rocks, literally thinking, that's that's just it. They just announced a a version of Jobs JobKeeper in the UK, and and we were thinking we can get through to that. And I can't remember if it was Lily or I, but like we said, why don't we just try putting it on. Instagram, do a live on Instagram. And that was it. That was that was the original idea. Um, it went crazy on those two platforms, particularly on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, with a, a really big US audience. And the timing was kind of nice for us because, you know, 10.30 in Sydney is sort of 7 o'clock at night in, in the US, depending on where you are. Um, and then after a few months, Annabelle, she was in her last year of high school at the time uh, doing her HSC. Uh, and she was sort of watching what was happening and, and she suggested we start a TikTok. And that kind of, once we did that, that took what we were doing. We were, we were mainly doing live streams um, and then doing that and taking it and transforming it into short form video, first on TikTok, but then on uh, YouTube Shorts uh, and then taking some of that short form content and posting it across the other platforms as well. 
and it took it to a whole new level. Like we, we, there was there was one one little weekend where someone in the states shared one of our they call it duetting on on TikTok, but duetted one of our videos, and we got like a million and a half followers overnight, and our website melted down, and all of a sudden we had logistical issues in terms of being we, we actually had to transform the business from a bricks and mortar retailer we're still a bricks and mortar retailer but into an online um you know we're not, we'll never be amazon but all of a sudden we had to we had to be fulfilling orders in the same way that amazon does so there was a lot of the back of house stuff was quite difficult but the yeah, the, awesome the, the broad the, the live streams and the short form video yeah they just went crazy well, I do want to get to TikTok in a minute, but I, I take me back to when you originally, you know, March of 2020 and, you know, your bricks and mortar side of your business was basically, you know, kind of disappeared under your feet, right? Um, were you already able to fulfill online at that stage or was that something, like, did you have something to sell from those live streams at that stage? Uh, we, we had lollies, we were making lollies and we had a shop full of lollies that we'd made already. Um, yeah. We didn't. We, we had an online shopping. You know, we were getting maybe ten orders a week from different parts of Australia. It wasn't. It really wasn't much of our business. Most of our online presence and our website was devoted to uh, what we do around customized product. So we do a yeah. lot of weddings, and as I, as I said, but so most most of our website was a more like a brochure for what we can do for you in a customized sense more than anything else. Um, uh, having you know, we people were emailing us what they wanted to buy, and we were sending them an invoice, and they were paying us by PayPal initially, and then we would put their order in a box, and then we would <laughs> ship it out. And it's very manual. I, yeah. I would put it in the back of a car and drive it out to Alexandria, and uh, yes, that, that that transformation was it was forced on us, and it happened very quickly. But we were we were up late at night trying to trying to satisfy people's orders which were coming in by email. It was it was a difficult little transformation, that one. There's a lot on mum as well. My mum who does the kind of like back of, we call it like, she does a lot of the logistics. She does most of the logistics. And it was like, I, you could see her up at like 2 a.m. sometimes just trying to like answer people's PayPal orders and get their information through so they could get lollies so that our business could stay afloat and things like that. Yeah. Well, it kept the doors open, right? So take me to, you know, business was kind of back, you know, shops were open, people were back on the streets. And where did TikTok factor into it? At what stage did you kind of, um, you know, come to dad and Annabelle with that suggestion of, hey, let's try TikTok? And what was, Sorry, what was that suggestion? I'll let answer this, but it, it was a long time yeah. before people were back. It was, it was like you know. A year and a half, two years. Yeah, we, yeah. we didn't have people oh, back. So TikTok happened still during lockdowns and TikTok happened about a month after we started first going live. So uh, probably it was end April. of May. It was yeah. April. So was April. Okay. <laughs> no, so we were doing doing the live streams and I was in high school still. Um, and at that time, TikTok was still it wasn't what it is today. It was still like there was no TikTok Australia, there was just TikTok. Um, and you know, it was still a bit cringy to have a TikTok account and to actually post TikTok content, even though everyone had a TikTok account and just watched TikTok content. So it was this real transformation period that we were really lucky to kind of jump in at right the exact right moment between it wasn't too weird to have a TikTok account, but it was starting to become something that's more relevant and there's starting to be more and more people on it. So we jumped on mm -hmm. and I think in the first few weeks we got up to 
300,000 followers. Like the first day we broke a thousand, then we 300,000. And then there was one weekend we got a million. And I think that was about a month in, almost exactly a month in. So a million followers in a day, which is completely insane. Like that would never happen again. Um, and, but yeah, it wasn't, they were really looking at because it, it was a series of lockdowns and people still scared to leave the house. The TikTok came into it way before we even had people back in the shop. Like we were still looking at a ghost town like late 2021. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, we, we were for, for a long period there, at least 18 months, we were entirely an online business, entirely. So, David, I want to ask you, you know, Annabelle, you know, obviously, you know, being a high school student at the time was aware of TikTok and, you know, maybe, you know, had used TikTok personally. But what were your thoughts about TikTok as a tool for your business when you, that was first introduced to you? And, and how has that changed now? Uh, look, d- 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 there's kind of two answers. The first one, my, my response was, what the hell's TikTok originally? Um, and it wasn't quite that like I, I heard of TikTok. TikTok was in the news here mostly because of the concerns about it being a, a sophisticated piece of Chinese spyware more than anything else at the time. Um, the other part of the question is at, at that time, I was pretty much ready to jump on board with anything. We'd had such a such a great response um, with Facebook and Instagram. I, I think Annabelle loves telling the story that I, I pushed back on her on the TikTok, but I think it just took me a little while to work out what it was. And yeah. as soon as I did, it was, yeah, well, look, why not? What, you know, and, and it's kind of my, has been my big takeaway from all of this process is these vehicles are out there. These platforms are out there. There's, there are these opportunities out there. And you've got nothing to lose by giving it a go. It's not. It's not like traditional advertising where you you put down your fifty thousand dollar budget, and if it doesn't work, you've lost fifty thousand dollars. It's these platforms are just like it's all set up for you, and it's ready to use. So, you know, when when that came along, uh, not long after TikTok came along, everybody thought they needed to jump on that bandwagon. So, YouTube came out with Shorts, and then Facebook came out with. Well, Instagram had reels and, and one, of, one of the things we did, I think, all the way through, as soon as any platform was announcing anything, it's, well, let's give it a go. Let's, you know. Yeah, it's threads at the moment. And yeah. Threads on Facebook. We got one of those. We got, we got that. <laughs> um, and I, but I think that's it. There's, there's so little to lose. Maybe, and it's probably an advantage that small business has over large business to a certain extent is, um, or there's two advantages I think small business has. Is one is, there is less to lose. Your, your, your reputational risk isn't isn't as high. Um, and with small business, it's a lot easier to be human. What people have responded to with us as much as anything else is we've just kind of been ourselves. And we've, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier to present the, the human in your business if you are a family business. So yeah. with nothing to lose and everything to gain and, you know, early on working out that there really isn't much to fear because you may as well just make content and see what happens. Um, yeah. When, when TikTok yeah. came along, I was, I was, it took, it took a week or two before I kind of worked out what the platform was, but then it was, yeah, of course, let's do it. So I'm interested, you, you touched on something that I think is really important for any business owner or marketer or, or anyone listening to really hit on is the idea that it's these platforms allow the humanity of your business to come through the human element, right? The people, because people do business with people and people buy stuff from people. 
Um, and that's a mindset shift, I think, for traditional marketing and advertising where, you know, sometimes it's less human and more it's more contrived and more uh, choreographed and creative and so on. So, Annabelle, let me ask you, like, um, what do you think is, you know, somewhat of the secret source to the way that you guys approach video content in your business that maybe other businesses can adopt and embrace for themselves? Um, I think that it's very easy to overcomplicate it. So it's a very new format, like when we compare it to other forms of content that has been traditionally delivered, like television, um, even other forms of advertising, which are very produced. Um, and that's, you know, great for those platforms, um, television, radio. But for these platforms, people really don't want to see television like they don't want to see something that's very highly produced um very distant from them they want to be able to engage and they want to be able to what would you say like they want to engage and they want to see that like they want to see something real like they can go anywhere else for fiction yeah. uh, and so I think my secret is always I just don't overcomplicate it uh, if I took a really good video of dad just making like a candy bubble and then popping it, I don't need to go in and add like, I don't need to go in and change how he looks or change screen overlays and add a whole lot of things. That's good enough to be its own video. And it means that to create the whole video probably took like five minutes, um, not even. And I think that people can get bogged down in trying to create the perfect video of trying to get the production just right, of trying to get everything to look perfect when people don't actually want to see that stuff on those channels. Like they want to see you kind of fail and be human and be relatable and someone they can engage with. Um, and I, and I pull that philosophy over into not only how I create content, but also how I manage the content. So I'm very big on like, if I made a great TikTok video that everyone enjoyed, um, I'm just going to put it straight onto YouTube shorts and I'm not going to change a thing. I'm not going to spend ages curating different content for different platforms when it's already worked um, and it probably will work again. Um, there are exceptions yeah. to the rule I have, but overall, and it, overall it just helps, makes my job easier and I think people enjoy it more. I think maybe just to echo exactly what Annabelle said and maybe slightly different, but like I, I think what we did a bit differently to other people is um, what traditionally, well, not traditionally, but what businesses generally do on social media is they do the media in the same way that they've always done media, in, in like the same way they've done print advertising or television advertising or they're beautifully crafted and highly curated it's still images or video or and they look great and they would look great on Channel 10 or they would like look great just about anywhere in Vogue magazine. Or, But what we did is the we kind of did the social bit, Um you know, one, and it's one of the things that going live really taught us is what people love is when you stuff up. They, they love yeah. it when you make mistakes. They love it when you're human. They love it when you roll something off the table or I, I don't know. Th those are the stories that, uh, you know, the, the, what social is, it's it's about relationships. So um, doing the social thing means creating it's, – it's harder in some ways because you're cre creating relationships with people but at the same time, it's easier because you don't have to be so beautifully crafted. You can just throw stuff up and be yourself. And if people see that you're being yourself, that's where the, the social in social media comes from, I think. Yeah, I think that's a key takeaway for anyone listening to this today is just to allow themselves to be human and and be themselves. Well, but at I the guess. end of the day... 
<laughs> at the end of the day, I think that, you know, ultimately if a business is going to invest time into doing content like this, there needs to be business outcomes as well. So I'm interested how strategic you guys are with your approach. Like, are you just doing it? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it works, right? It, it does have business outcomes for you now, but, um, you know, how strategic were you in the start and how strategic are you now or planned out in advance and all of that sort of stuff? This might be, we, um, so, cause I manage more of the day to day stuff. Uh, and at the start, it was just, did I take a nice video, put it up whenever I felt like it? There wasn't really any rhyme or reason. Um, and then we hit this problem where we were getting too many orders and like the back end of our sites couldn't keep up. So it became this problem of, okay, well, we actually have to space out what we do and figure out what we post about and when. And if we post this thing, do we have that in stock? Um, and so, at, I mean, at the start, it's, it's really been like a, two, three year learning curve of how do we manage it strategically and how do we make sure that it all works together. But at the start, it didn't work together yeah. as well as you would have liked. Yeah, so you've been forced to be more strategic over the over the years. <laughs> yeah. Probably and, good. But we have a we have a production schedule and we have what's in stock and what we're what's coming up in the next few weeks, which will kind of determine what kind of video content we release at what time. Um, you know, we, it, we, we have a particular schedule that we go live. We have everything is pretty much timed these days. Um, I, I, it's, it's more tactical than strategic, though, I almost, I almost think. We've, we've kind of we have a, a, a system and a way we do things and then it's just kind of coordinating the bits and pieces, whether it's whether it's production schedules or rosters or availabilities or you know, and putting, putting all those together into one, one cohesive whole. Yeah. So can you talk us through, um, I guess the workflow on a daily or weekly basis there that's sticky. So, you know, is it just Annabelle, are you wholly responsible for capturing stuff and posting it? Or do you have a, a kind of a team structure there or how do you manage that content schedule now? Um, well, I mean, it's very cross collaborative, like it was at the, it's, it's actually never just been me. So, I mean, all the live streams, dad manages most of the live streams across all the platforms. Um, and then our manager, Lily, who we mentioned before, she, she does Instagram and threads and that's what she does. She does it great. And we share content between us. So sometimes she's capturing stuff. Sometimes I'm capturing stuff and we just share everything. Uh, and we usually make our own content, but we have the raw footage together. Uh, and then, uh, I actually, I got an assistant this year, um, who I go to university with. He's great. His name's Lachlan. Uh, and we kind of do two halves of a full-time job together. Yeah. But um, so it's it's actually, it's never been anyone's sole responsibility to get all of it. It's always been, there's multiple people who can do their best to film something or capture something or create something or give you ideas. I would say I probably coordinate it across everything. Like I try to okay, I'm doing this and then you're going to do this and I'll post this if you do this. But, um, but I, I'm not, it's, but I'm not the one who makes everything happen. I need everybody on board with me to make things happen. Yep. Okay. Awesome. I'm wondering if, um, if, if you've got any advice or any, any thoughts for, for that 
business owner listening, you know, maybe they have a bricks and mortar store or maybe it's a service-based business or e-commerce or whatever. Do either of you guys, um, you know, maybe have any advice that would encourage someone to just start trying some of this for themselves if they're doing nothing right now, whether it be live streaming or whether it be short form video content, what, what advice would you give to that business owner out there based on your experiences? Look, it's it's pretty nerve wracking. I I think. I mean, it was maybe less nerve wracking for us at the time when we first started because we'd already gone broke, so <laughs> there really was nothing to lose. But that idea of putting yourself out there without a filter, without a, a, a barrier between you and an audience, it can be it can be pretty intimidating. So, um, what, what I would say is is and probably the thing that one of the things that's been made clearest to me is these these platforms are so big. Like, if you've got two billion people on on Facebook, you really don't have to appeal to a very high percentage of people on Facebook to appeal to a lot of people. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if, if the if the thoughts running through your head is, well, how do I how do I produce content that's going to engage with two billion people? You're not. It's, it can't be done. But if, if if you can if you can identify with and create a relationship with zero point zero 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 one percent of people on Facebook, that's a massive audience. So, um, I th- I think that's one of the things that can make it a lot easier to just try producing some of this content is is not try and please everybody, but you know once it gets out there that you you might find an audience that is just absolutely taken with what you do, and because the barriers to entry are so low. You've got nothing to lose, really. Yeah. Um, and the, the 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 other big bit of advice would be, be yourself. Like, that's it, a hard one, but you're allowed to make mistakes, and you're allowed to be a little bit hopeless, and you're allowed to get things wrong. You're allowed to apologise. You're allowed to be generous. You're allowed to be all those things that being social means on the platform. So. Um, I, I don't think anyone's got really got much to lose. If, if you're going to share something in your business, try and make it that you're sharing the people in your business. You know, you can share your product, but somehow bring the people behind the product in front of the camera as well. Um, and, that, and that's it. Show people the, the humanity that, that exists within you and your business. Yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, you mentioned about find like the internet's a big place and you mentioned about finding your audience there. So, you know, I think I, last I checked, you guys have over, you know, half a million followers on Instagram and 1.6 something on million on Facebook. And I think it's seven, seven million something on TikTok, right? Like uh, you've obviously found an audience that loves what you guys do, but can you summarize for us, like when you get that those numbers and they could just be vanity metrics right there all these people following your accounts but what does that mean for the business like tell take us to now like what has this done for you guys uh there is um sorry i'll just start the first the one i think the biggest point that make i think the clearest thing that makes this point is um when you get a million a hundred thousand or a million followers on uh subscribers on youtube you get a big plaque. They send it to you, and you get this huge plaque. Annabelle's got a plaque. And I do have a plaque. Excited. I've got two plaques. Um, and you put it in the store, and the amount of people who um, number one either say, "I've seen you on YouTube," and there's your plaque, and I've seen you before, or recognize the plaque and go, "Oh my god, you guys must be so famous." It's it's this dual effect of like these numbers. They're huge, and they mean 
a lot of people have seen us before and it's great for business and everything, but there's a lot of people who haven't seen you still and, like, the numbers kind of also affect them to buy from your business at the same time. It, 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 it's affected our business in number. It, it's, it, we're tripled in size, so we're probably three times bigger with nearly three times the staff that we had before the pandemic began. Um, uh, the other one is it, 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 it's, a, it's a vastly outsized profile for the size of the business we really have. You know, we're, we're still a little shop in the rocks. We have a commercial kitchen in our time and um, we're, we're still just a little business making artisanal handmade rock candy. Um, but I, I was actually having this conversation the other day. I, I, I would guess that we're probably the most famous shop in the world now. You know, there's, there's maybe Tiffany's in New York or, I mean, not, not that that's anything to really brag about, but... There is, it is the, you know, my, my brother will be in Spain on the out the beach in Spain, gets talking to a little kid, and the little kid will say, "Are oh, you from Australia? Have you ever been to this candy store?" And mm-hmm. he'll say, "That's my brother." Like it's it's kind of bizarre the it's extent wild. to which your your message and your product and your brand can spread uh, if you if you get some traction on the platforms. So. One, it ha- it has made a massive difference to us in terms of just simply turnover and size, uh, what we what we produce and who we employ and how much payroll tax we've got to pay and all those questions. But it's also, um, you know, it, it's turned our brand into something that you know vast numbers of people in any country in the world. From you know, if we're doing a live TikTok, we'll have people from Ukraine or. Israel or Nigeria or in in the feed along with people from the United States and Australia. So um, those don't always turn into sales, but there's a there's this kind of feeling uh, when people are watching us that they're part of watching something that's that's kind of cool and global right? <laughs> for this yeah. stupid little lolly shop in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy story and it, it is an inspiring story as well for other businesses, which is why I wanted to bring you guys on the show to share more about your story. But um, just in closing here, guys, I'd love to just hear from you guys. What's next for Sticky? What's um, what's next for your video strategy? Where are you going? You're just going to keep doing the same and loving life or where are you headed? I'm uni first. Annabelle's <laughs> got, to, got to finish uni. Um, we actually, we've, we've been through a little bit of a, over the last year and a half, um, the, this kind of question came up of are we a, a, a candy business that makes videos or are we a video company that makes candy? Um, because for a little while there, it did seem like there was this opportunity to create an entirely new uh, online video offer with travel stories and all sorts of stuff. Uh, I think we probably want to keep the core of what we do. What we do is... It was a little bit faddish for a while, but there is a genuine process there. There's people who, who you know, the, the audience is big enough that we can keep doing what we do. I, I think we want to bring on some new product lines, continually innovate in what we, in what our core product lines are, as well as add some new ones. Um, and in terms of the video and and what we do there, I think we we try and stay relevant, try and keep it fresh as much as possible. Um, uh, and I think we're looking for opportunities to do other things, but at the same time, you know, I think it's become more and more clear over the last six months that the the reason people like the business is because the business does what the business does, and to try and become transform into something new, um, I, we're, I don't know that that's probably the direction we're going to take. 
there we go. And this, the world is your oyster. There's plenty of opportunity. You know, who knows that you got the real housewives of Melbourne. Now we've got the real lolly makers of Sydney coming down the path, right? So we have, we, yeah. like we, we have been, we have had offers. Uh, you know, there's, there's, what do they call it? Ocu, Ocu follow. Um, shows like Cake Boss and, oh, yeah. you know, right, where yeah, yeah. they come in and they film your, you know, warts and all and they try and gen- they help you to generate conflict in your business to create interesting uh, real-life drama for the um, – and we have had offers to have people come in and, and film the business that way. Um, sounds horrible. But it sounds horrible, quite honestly. I, we have enough conflict in our business already without people uh, following us around with cameras in their face. So – I mean, what's kind of nice is we have this kind of profile that you go, oh, my God, three and a half million followers on YouTube and seven on TikTok. And, but we're unrecognisable. No one knows who we are. We're not, you know, you walk down the street, unless you do your hair in the special Annabelle. Unless bun, I do bun my wing. hairstyle, no one knows who I am. Yeah, that's and that, but so that's, that, that, that's kind of nice. If the business is doing well and, and people are enjoying us. I mean, the stuff, after three years, the stuff that I think I got most out of it is, is the community stuff which sounds a bit naff, but, you know, we've got this little group on on Facebook, or it's not little, but it's it's called Sticky Friends, and it's it's all these hardcore weirdos who really like what we do, and it's about 43,000 people. <laughs> wow. But it's people who, you know, the world was a dark and isolated place through the pandemic, and it's people who, and I have people all the time in the shop and online and in the group who, who just say the way we... Uh, really save their lives just by being something, you know, distracting during the pandemic um, and, and not something, you know, the way a lot of the internet works is about creating, um, getting people enraged and, and you know, getting creating outraged. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, but we're not like that. We're just kind of nice. And so that kind of community stuff, the people are continually reaching out and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm reaching back saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. That sort of mutual uh, gratitude is really gratifying. It's it's really lovely. So while I'm pleased the business has gone well, when I look back and think what are the things that I've enjoyed most about it, it's it's having, having that kind of community grow up around the business too that's been really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Like, I, I just think, you know, what I really take away from that, David and Annabelle, is that, you know, y- you did something to kind of save a business and, you know, many business owners are working to build a business that works, right? But by doing so, what you've actually done is is just empowered a whole community around you, around the world, you know, with just through entertainment and through humanity and, you know, and that's resulted in a business that's that's growing um you know rapidly as well so it's a it's a really cool story and i really appreciate you sharing that for us today so thanks guys a pleasure Thank matter you. look if i'd leave anyone with any one thing it's like think about how does how does your business do the social in social media like, yeah not just the media part but there's the social in the social media and that, and that, you can only do that by being human and being yourself and showing that to the world um, which is it's nerve-wracking and and scary and but the rewards are incredible if you, if you can find a way to do that in a way that engages with people. Massively inspiring. Thanks, guys. Look, I encourage everyone listening or watching to go and check out what these guys are doing across all the platforms. Go and follow them on all the platforms and enjoy, you know, the, the content they're putting out on a regular basis. And be sure to reach out to the team there as well and let them know that you, you heard about them here on the show. So, David, Annabelle, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a real, a real pleasure. Thank you.
Thanks, Ben. Really appreciate you the offer, mate. It's uh, good luck with what you're doing, and yeah, if anybody if anybody wants to come in and say hello and watch me make some lollies, just say good day. Come and say good day. All right, thanks again to Dave and Annabelle for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you guys. I'm going to pop into your shop in Sydney very soon, actually. Personally, I'm going to Sydney later this week as this episode releases, so hopefully I get a chance to pop in and check you guys out in person. Um, and follow me on Instagram at engage underscore Ben, and I'm sure I'll, I'll share some in my stories as well. Okay, so that's it for me for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed this and got a lot of inspiration and, and motivation to, to do more with video marketing for you or your clients through David and Annabelle's and the sticky story. And if you're interested in more episodes like this, where I go deeper into, you know, people are actually in the trenches and doing it with video marketing, then let me know. I'd love to hear from you guys as we kind of relaunch this podcast and, and get new episodes in the pipeline for you as well. So I really appreciate all the contact and feedback I get from listeners and watchers of this podcast. So leave a comment, let me know, reach out to me on Instagram, email podcast at engagevideomarketing.com. That's it from me. I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and it's my mission to grow confident video strategists. So I'm so glad you're joining me. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode. Growing a video business can be hard, and I reckon one of the things that makes the game of business even harder is when you're going it alone. This is why I set up the Strategy Board Mastermind program, and I want to invite you to join us. The Strategy Board is a high-impact, collaborative 12-month paid group program specifically for the owners of established video strategy and production businesses who desire further skills, tools, inspiration, and guidance to achieve their goals. It's delivered in a controlled and facilitated discussion around growth and expansion of each business across the duration of the program. The Strategy Board is designed specifically for video strategists or video business owners who are actually in business and doing it and want to just do it better. The program consists of quarterly virtual board meetings as well as monthly mastermind sessions. And alongside the other members of your board, you get direct coaching and support from me as together we hit targets and grow your video business into the business that you know it can be. To learn more and apply, go to engagevideomarketing.com board. Fill out the short form there and if suitable, I'll invite you to jump on a call directly with me to see how the strategy board could be the right fit for your business this year. That link again is engagevideomarketing.com slash board.